When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Welcome into Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Football Podcast. Tara Roberts here along with Pat Fitzmorris and Billy Musia. And today is our ranking show. We're going to be going through the Fantasy Pros ranking tiers for week eight. I cannot believe we are at week eight, essentially halfway through the season. Crazy, but we are here and Pat and Billy are going to be providing their thoughts on players and the tiers. And there's no better pair here to give us analysis on these rankings because they are fantastic. Billy was the number four overall most accurate in-season fantasy football ranker in 2022. Fantastic. And has consistently done well in our accuracy competition. Fitz was the most accurate in-season weekly ranker in 2020 and has been consistently among the most accurate rankers in fantasy football. You can find Billy at FF Museo. You can find Pat at Fitz underscore FF. And you can find me at It's Terra Time. So get ready because we got a lot to talk about. We were just talking off air before we started the show that this is going to be a fun show because it's like a throwback show here with all of the players that we're going to talk about. It's a fun week with all of these guys. So you're going to want to stay tuned in. And this is definitely going to help you with your fantasy matchups. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe, of course, and turn on notifications. And we've got our top 20 running backs here. As a reminder, our consensus rankings can be found at fantasypros.com slash rankings. And you can also see the tiers on the video podcast at youtube.com slash fantasypros. So go check that out if you're listening on the podcast and want to see the tiers in person. Running backs. Now, these top 20 players, Pat, I'm going to start off with you. Is there anyone that really stands out here in the in the top 20? It's interesting to see Jameer Gibbs at running back 11, Tara. And obviously that's going to change if if David Montgomery were to come back this week. I don't think we're expecting that to happen, but maybe it's possible. Um, I personally feel like that is just a little bit too high. Gibbs had nine catches and 10 targets last week against the Ravens, but that was mostly because the Lions were getting absolutely smashed by the Ravens right from the start in that game. And that was kind of like some of the games we used to see for DeAndre Swift. When he was with the Lions, the Lions would fall into a big hole and Swift would wind up getting like 14 targets. Um, maybe we do see Gibbs get another 20 touches this week against the Raiders. After all, Dan Campbell has said that, you know, as long as Montgomery is out and now that Gibbs is healthy, he's going to be the guy. But I've got him ranked a little lower, running back 14. I'm, I'm just not totally sold that he gets this many touches again, especially in a game where uh, the Lions are probably going to be looking at a favorable game script as, as favorites by more than a touchdown against the Raiders, more of a run-friendly game script. So I don't know if we're going to see that sort of usage in the passing game for Jameer Gibbs again. That's true. That's a really good point. We have seen running backs really thrive in this matchup with the Raiders. So maybe we can see an aggressive workload on the ground. And more than likely going to see a very strong decrease in pass volume from Jared Goff after throwing over 50 attempts. That was kind of crazy. Billy, what kind of stands out here for you in this top 20? 
It's nice to see Isaiah Pacheco inside the top 10, who's got a, a pretty cake matchup here versus Denver, who's given up the most points at the running back position. Um, but we have seen a pretty steady, consistent usage from him uh, from a utilization report at standpoint uh happy to see his snaps kind of constantly increasing he's kind of dominating that backfield and touches and of course gets this cake matchup so i have him inside my top five uh looks like he's just outside that inside the the rankings but uh, i think he's he's finally starting to get some respect that he deserves here uh, as as we kind of tail off into the end of the season Love the bullish rankings on Isaiah Pacheco always. Again, for in-depth analysis on these players, go to fantasypros.com slash rankings. And for updated rankings, make sure that you are using our My My Playbook app. All right, and we're going to dive into these tiers here and pull out some players here. We're going to start off with the B minus tier. We've got two players in there, Alexander Madison and Rashad White. We do want to pull out Alexander Madison and talk about him. This one is an interesting one here to have a conversation around because his usage, you know, maybe you guys can talk it out and tell me what your opinions are, whether or not the increase in volume for Cam Akers is going to stick here. I mean, Madison was productive on the ground. It just, he was kind of limited, unfortunately. So ECR has him at RB21. Pat, you've got him at RB19 there, but a little bit more positive. And Billy, you've got him at RB29. Uh, Billy, I'll start off with you. Um, why are you a little bit more out on Alexander Madison? It breaks down to the utilization. We're seeing a, a shift here in rushing attempts. We're seeing a shift in in routes. We're seeing a shift in targets. Um, I think all, all said and done, the the needle is pointing down for Alexander Madison and his usage, uh, where what he, he was dominating in the touches prior to Cam Akers arriving. Um, and even, quite frankly, Ty Chandler has gotten a little bit more involved inside of these categories as well in the last couple of weeks. But last week in particular, uh, we saw Alexander Madison only with 38% of the rushing attempts. Uh, in prior week, we saw 82%, 47%, 74%, 87%, 89%. Um, so Cam Akers definitely starting to eat into those totals. Um, from a route standpoint, Cam Akers ran 21% of the routes and Alexander Madison ran 38%, but in comparison, I'm sorry, 47%. But in comparison, 55% the week before, 38, 43, 53. So we are seeing this number down as well. Targets, only 7% in targets last week for Alexander Madison, where prior to that, 23% in week six, 7, 6, 13, 12, all double digits from one through weeks one through three, and K-Makers starting to eat into that. So if we see this utilization consistently, uh, I just say dipping down, um, this is where we're going to see Madison's fantasy points do the same because we he hasn't been the most efficient runner season to date. We were purely relying on him from a usage standpoint. Um, and if we can't rely on that, then we can't rely on him from a fantasy perspective either. Pat, what are your thoughts? So we saw Madison. It looked like he might have got dinged up at the end of that 49ers game. And I wonder if that's maybe why Cam Akers was getting a little more run late in that game. Um, but one thing I've noticed about Madison, it's it's sort of interesting in games where the Vikings have played Super Bowl caliber opponents, the Eagles, Chiefs, and 49ers. Madison has finished with fewer than 10 carries in each of those games. It's almost as if the Vikings are resigned to not being able to um, really effectively do business on the ground uh, and, and know they have to like throw to keep up with those teams. So um you know, and it's not like it was all about negative game script because in all of those games, uh, those were all one score games. And the Vikings even won one of them against the 49ers. Sorry, Billy. I know you're a 49ers fan. Um, but in all the other games, Madison has had double digit rushing attempts, 11 against the Buccaneers, 20 against the Chargers, 17 against the Panthers, 
18 against the Bears. And as much as I hate to admit this, Tara, uh, Minnesota's Week 8 opponents, the Packers, are not Super Bowl caliber. So um, the Packers rank 26th in DVOA against the run and have given up the third most fantasy points per game to running backs. Madison, all in all, 15.7 touches a game and a pleasing matchup this week. So I think he's a pretty appealing play. I think he belongs in RB2 territory. I was going to ask, um, so I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, the matchup here feels like, I'm, I, I I agree with Philly about the Cam Akers working in, but then you look at the matchup against Green Bay and you kind of say, okay, I can still get on board here with Alexander Madison being a little bit more successful on the ground. We saw the Denver running backs have success. Even Javante Williams, like it's the best he had ever looked all season long against that Packers defense. So I do feel like there's a little bit of upside there. Um, we're going to move on to, here are C, our C plus tier with uh, Javante Williams, Gus Edwards, and Ramondre Stevenson. Um, any of these guys kind of feel like they're misplaced, or is this about right for these guys? Um, Pat, what are your thoughts? Seems like it's about right. Um, guys, sort of on the border of start set territory. And, um, you know, as much as I want to embrace Javante Williams, he's still part of a three man backfield now. Like, uh, Jaleel McLaughlin has passed Samaje Piran, but Piran is still getting snaps too. So even though Javante is clearly the number one guy in this committee, it's still a committee. Uh, Billy, we see Ramondre Stevenson here, who's looked better, had better numbers over the past couple of weeks, but I think we'll dive into um, that New England backfield a little bit more later. Is this a good place for him? Yeah, I think these guys are all priced appropriately. Uh, any given week, they could score, they could get extra usage, goal line carries, they could get uh, extra targets, but um, it's just not something that we can rely on consistently from this group, and so I think they're, they're, uh, they're priced accordingly. All right, before we move on to the next tier, who are the pretenders? Who are the contenders? We are halfway through the NFL season, but DraftKings Sportsbook is still pumping out unbeatable offers every single game. New customers can bet just five bucks on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every single game this October. Maybe you want to take a chance on a guy like Alexander Madison in a good matchup against Green Bay. You can do that on DraftKings. Now, get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code FANTASYBROS. New customers can bet just $5 on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours. All right, guys, we're going to move on to the C tier here. And this is a big tier. This is always, I feel like this is always a big tier here. It's the guys that could be something. And this one is going to be a fun one for us to do. So we're going to pull out several players in here. We've got Brian Robinson, Daryl Henderson, Damian Pierce, Kareem Hunt. Chuba Hubbard coming off of the bye week there with Miles Sanders. That one's a little shaky. Najee Harris coming off of a strong game. Zach Moss, Jalen Warren, and Amari DiMarcado working his way up in the rankings after theoretically becoming the RB1 in Arizona. So let's start off in this tier and we'll talk about Daryl Henderson coming straight off the street last week and becoming the Rams RB1. It's a fantastic Cinderella story. Um, ECR has him at RB27. Pat, you are right there with ECR. 
RB27. And Billy, you've got him at RB37. Pat, I will start off with you. Um, sell us positively on Daryl Henderson as the lead back again, again for the LA Rams. Yeah, uh, the retread, but I think the reason he stepped right in and immediately played 57% of the snaps in his first game for the Rams this season, um, and the reason why Henderson will continue to get a majority of the snaps for the Rams is that Sean McVay trusts him as a pass blocker. It's that simple, and I, I think that is why Cam Akers blew up in our faces. Uh, well, at least he blew up in my face uh, last year when I thought he was going to have a, a nice season for the Rams. Um, Akers is a poor pass blocker. Henderson is a good pass blocker. And that is why he is going to continue to play a lot while Kyron Williams is out and, and play ahead of Royce Freeman. Um, I don't think Henderson is much more than a, a straight ahead, no frills runner. Um, but the the secure touch volume, I think, is uh, enough of a reason to rank him as a running back three. I, I think that gives him low-level fantasy value um, for us this week. So I, I think he's startable and, like, flex-worthy. You know, I don't, I don't think he's likely to get 100 yards rushing this week. But I do think he could give us 75 and, and maybe fall into the end zone. I like it. I am uh, back on the Daryl Henderson train. Happy for him. Billy... Tell us on why we should not be back on this Daryl Henderson train. Is it Royce Freeman? It's crazy, this backfield. Is it Royce Freeman that we're scared of? What is what is the downside here to Daryl Henderson? So I have his name circled on my sheet this week as somebody who's most likely going to move up. As of right now, I have Gaskins penciled in for some touches this week who came in not knowing the offense, uh, inactive last week. Um, if he is active, I think we do need to take that in consideration because Gaskin's actually a pretty good pass catcher um, and probably get some rushing attempts as well. And so right now the ranking's a bit of a hedge until I get a little bit more information out of out of the Rams camp to see if he's going to be active or inactive. Um, that being said, um, while Pat was talking, I punched in the numbers as if he was inactive and he, he moves all the way up to RB26 in my rankings. Um, so I do think that that's probably where he'll settle uh, based upon um, what we saw last week. If the usage remains the same, um, Darrell Henderson dominated the touches, 60% of the rushing attempts on the ground. He saw all the targets pretty much out of the backfield, except for Ronnie Rivers getting a couple. Um, so I do think that that Henderson himself is going to uh, continue to be utilized as the lead back in, in the absence of Kyron Williams. And I do think that we can lean on him pretty, pretty comfortably as a high end RB three. If Gaskins is inactive. You make a really good point there. Miles Gaskin could come in and this would not be the first time we've seen it multiple times this season where a back looks like the lead back. And then all of a sudden there's a flip to another guy who is getting pushed up for a little bit of opportunity. So it makes sense. It's possible that, you know, with a week under his belt, we could see a little bit more of Miles Gaskin. We're going to keep on this, this retread target as Pat mentioned, and we're going to go back and talk about Kareem Hunt, who is looking like the old Kareem Hunt. Uh, had a strong week six, had a strong week seven, um, got the touchdown. We saw some contributions from Pierre Strong, but it really looked like um, the valuable touches there and the receiving upside was really going to Kareem Hunt. So we've got ECR with um, him at RB30, at uh, RB29. Pat, you've got him at RB33. Billy, you've got him at RB25. This is fun. You guys are on opposite ends of the spectrum here. Um, so this will be a good little debate here. Um, Billy, I'll start off with you. When we're talking about um, Kareem Hunt, are you in a little bit more? Are you thinking that he's going to get the strong bulk of the workload here? 
I do think he's going to get the bulk of the workload. I, I think Jerome, Jerome Ford, of course, when he was active, was seeing everything. Um, Pierre Strong, I think, is the better back at this point in his career than where Kareem Hunt currently is. Kareem Hunt's utilization is what's going to save him right now. Um, but if we continue to see him see right now, I've projected for roughly 48 percent of the rushing attempts. Uh, and and I definitely want to see more of what's happening from the news inside of, of practice this week. But I think it's pretty safe to say we saw reports early reports saying that he was going to receive the bulk of the carries. But Pierre Strong is the more explosive back. That being said, passing game wise, I don't think they can trust Pierre Strong in pass protection. So Kareem Hunt will probably see all the third downs, which was where the value is going to come from. Um, last week, we saw him with six percent of the uh, sorry, three percent of the targets. I think that's probably going to increase here um, this week, as as we know that uh, Jerome Ford is is going to be out um, where Jerome Ford last week saw 12 percent. So I think we can get closer to that 10 percent number for Kareem Hunt. Uh, it gets him inside RB2 territory for me. Any concerns for you around the potential absence of Deshaun Watson? And how that affects this, you know, are they, you know, it could be a good thing. They rely on the run, but then it could be a bad thing. Like we saw previously where the team could just say, we're going to stop the run and force the pass. And then the running backs just simply don't have an opportunity. I think that this offense is going to be fine without Deshaun Watson. I had a lot of concerns of Watson going into the season. It's kind of playing out that way. Um, He just has not looked the same as he did when he was in Houston. I think that Deshaun Watson is long gone. Um, We're never going to see him again. And I think right now these inefficiencies are actually hurting this offense. Um, PJ Walker was actually pretty, pretty, pretty good in his last start. Um, We, we saw, you know, a similar instance in New York with, with, with Tyrod Taylor in the absence of Danny Dimes where the offense actually moves when the backup comes in uh, because things are just clicking a little bit differently. So I think that um, if Walker gets to start, I think it's actually going to help Kareem Hunt because whenever we see a quarterback who is maybe under duress or struggling or, or wants to, um, you know, move the ball, they use the running back as an outlet. So that's where we can start to see those, those touches um, in the passing game go up for Kareem Hunt. Um, and of course, if they're struggling to move the ball to the field, they're going to lean on the run game. And so I do think that from a utilization standpoint, if Watson's out, I think it's going to help Hunt this week. Pat, you're a little further back on ECR than ECR on Kareem Hunt. Yeah, after Jerome Ford got hurt last week, we saw Pierre Strong have more touches and snaps than um, Kareem Hunt. So Strong played a little bit more. I, I don't necessarily think that Strong has like leapfrogged Kareem Hunt on the, the depth chart or anything like that. I mean, we did see Kareem Hunt actually start ahead of Jerome Ford two weeks ago. It was just kind of a... Um, like just for the first play or two, but, um, Hunt has been dealing with some sort of thigh issue. And and that was probably part of the reason that, uh, a guy who didn't go through training camp this year, maybe the Browns are just being a little bit judicious with his management. Um, but they, they might do that again this week. I, I think it could be something close to a 50, 50, or maybe a 60, 40 in Hunt's favor. So I have Hunt at running back 33 and strong at running back 41. Like, I think they're both going to be involved. And by the way, remember how last season, you guys, the Seattle Seahawks were like this um, really bad run defense that we were targeting in DFS and and with our matchup decisions? Not really the case anymore. The, the Seahawks have allowed the 14th fewest fantasy points to running backs, and their run defense ranks third in DVOA right now. So this is no longer a matchup to be exploited, which is why I'm not all that enthusiastic about Kareem Hunt or Pierre Strong this week. Mm, that's a very good point. But Seattle defense was dealing with injuries earlier in the year. And as a whole, they've been a lot better recently now that they've got a whole bunch more players back healthy. 
Um, we're going to move on to the next player here. We're going to talk about Najee Harris. RB31. Pat's got him at RB30. Billy, you've got him at RB23. This will be fun. It, coming off of a game where he kind of reasserted himself there. Um, looked better. And uh, Billy, talk to us. Is, is this something that we can buy into? Is, is Najee back? God, I hate that I'm always defending Najee. <laughs> I do it too. I do it too. <laughs> I, I don't want to defend Najee. I don't like Najee. Just I don't know why he continues to pop up higher in my rankings and I got to manually move him down. It's something that I, I need to take a look at the algorithm because I don't like this algorithm right now. But not in in in, in the faith of, of debating here, I will continue on with defending Najee. Um, 50% of the rushing attempts last week, uh, Jalen Warren saw a downtick at 21% versus kind of consistently 30%. Um, we did see a bit of increase in targets last week from Najee as well at 13%, um, where that was typically dominated by Jalen Warren, who you know had seen near 15 to 20% almost every single given week throughout the season. But the last couple of weeks, weeks five and seven for them, because they had the bye week six, uh, there has been a uh, shift in the guard, at least in targets uh, for Jalen Warren, kind of getting consistently under 10% now. I don't know what this offense, if they're going to uh, maybe change the way it's it's looking because all those Jalen Warren targets were there when Deontay Johnson was out. Um, so there maybe the, healthy Deontay Johnson changes how they look at Jalen Warren and his usage, which then from there, they maybe lean a little bit more on Najee Harris as the one tube down back and getting him more involved inside of the passing game. So they're, they're not um, signaling what they're doing as much when, when they insert Jalen Warren. So uh, I, I think that's going to be my defense today with, with Najee. And again, I'm not super uh, confident in, in where I have him in the rankings. And I think that, you could argue pretty much anywhere from, you know, back end RB2 to high end RB3, I think is, is kind of where he's going to settle in the rankings. I think that is a perfectly reasonable defense for him. I do it all the time, too. <laughs> um, the Deontay Johnson one is a really good point, I think. Him coming back in there, we don't we think of it in terms of how it affects George Pickens. How does it, well, unfortunately not Pat Fryermuth, but how does it affect uh, Kenny Pickett? We're not really thinking about it of how does this actually affect the running backs as well, because it changes things up in terms of those short passes. So I, I love that point right there. Pat, you are um, right online, really. Just one off of um, ECR with Najee. Or Najee, are you feeling like a little bit um, skeptical around the resurgence, theoretically, of him? Yeah, just a little bit. And um, by the way, I think the dirty little secret is that Najee Harris actually designed Billy's rankings algorithm. So that's why he <laughs> keeps popping in that. Um yeah, so I, I mean, I guess the Jalen Warren backfield takeover is is not happening after what we saw last week with Najee out snapping Warren 34-27 and now touching him 17-7. And Billy makes a really good point about the, the Deontay uh, return and what that might mean for Warren in this offense. But um, I guess my skepticism is largely about the matchup and uh, just... You know, the Jaguars have only allowed, uh, what, the fourth fewest fantasy points to opposing running backs and only 3.4 yards per carry. So, um, you know, I mean, like I think Najee's value is going to be touchdown dependent. Hadn't really been scoring touchdowns until he finally got it in, into the end zone last week. So, um, yeah, I'm just like I, I still think Najee is more of an RB3 than an RB2. 
Makes sense. I mean, the matchup is one that's very interesting. I've been trying to debate within myself, trying to figure out, is the run defense good or is the pass defense just horrible to the point where people just say, hmm, we're just going to throw it. What's the point of running it on the Jacksonville Jaguars? So this will be interesting to see how he performs in this matchup. Um, this is a good barometer in terms of people that are looking for Najee in terms of maybe a trade target, rest of season, what's this look like? And maybe we can use this matchup right here to really determine the path for him moving forward. We're going to hit on one more player in this tier. I told you this. We're still in the C tier. I told you guys that the C tier was one that we had to have a ton of discussion around. And one more that we got to talk about. Um, this is fun. We've talked about Daryl Henderson. We've talked about Kareem Hunt. And now you've got all of these guys in this tier that um, are pushing themselves to prominence. And we've got a new guy here that is pushing himself back into prominence. Imari DiMercato stepped up and became the RB1 after the week where everybody, you didn't dump your fag, but you went out there and you acquired him. You thought that this was going to be it. And then he got the smallest amount of utilization in the offense in week six, and then came back in week seven and asserted himself as the RB1, a single carry, a single carry between the other running backs. Let's talk it out here with Amari to Mercado um, and how much we can or cannot trust this. He's checking in at RB34 on ECR. Pat just slightly behind in terms of his rank, your ranking with RB37. Billy a little bit more pro MRD Mercado there at RB28. Pat, I will start off with you. Are you are you buying into him as the RB1 or is this more so that you're just not buying into the Arizona run game as a whole? I think it's the latter. Tara. Um, yeah, the Cardinals did sort of swerve us uh, with their usage in week six, thinking, uh, making us think that DiMarcado was uh, maybe not going to have that big a role or that this was going to be a full-blown committee. Then they go out and give him an 80% snap share in week seven and, uh, you know, 17 touches, 13 carries, five targets, four catches. The thing is, DiMarcado's 17 touches resulted in 75 yards and zero touchdowns. And now, the Cardinals are facing a Ravens uh, defense that ranks number one in DVOA and number seven in DVOA versus the run. I don't think your odds of getting a touchdown out of Amari DiMercato this week are very good, and I, I don't think the odds of us getting 80-plus yards out of him are very good. So while I do trust that he is probably going to still be the lead running back for the Cardinals, I just don't necessarily think that equates to much fantasy value. Billy, how about you? You're you're more in on Amari DiMercato. He looked good. Yards per carry, fine. He's got receiving upside. Should we be buying into him a little bit more? I think a little bit more. You never know what Jonathan Gannon is going to do with his running back roulette. Um, you know, definitely to Pat's point, has made it less than ideal in terms of of projecting and trying to pick a starter if you're if you have any of these running backs, but. That being said, DeMarcado has been effective inside of the passing game. You know, last week he did see five targets. He caught four of them, you know, only 17 yards. So nothing to really hang your hat on. But um, one thing that Pat mentioned, everything Baltimore, Baltimore is good against the run, but they have given up the 10th most receptions to running backs this this year. Um, so I do think if we're going to see DeMarcado get going, it's going to be in the passing game. We expect this game script to be in the passing game favor for Arizona. They're going to have to 
throw the ball to to kind of keep up with Baltimore. We just saw what Baltimore did to Detroit last week. And um, I think that if they're going to want to hang around, they're going to have to utilize these backs inside of the passing game as well. DeMarcado, of course, I think the most talented back of the remaining three <laughs> that are inside Arizona. Um, and so it made, this is what I thought was going to happen in week six, quite frankly, and it just didn't happen. Um, I was bullish and left him there last week in week seven saying, I think the coach is going to figure it out sooner rather than later. And if not, then I think we just cut him because Connor's going to be back sooner rather than later. But I do think DeMarcado is going to be uh, involved enough from a utilization standpoint and um, in the passing game to, to be relevant this week. I like it. All right, we're going to move on to, we're finally out of the C tier. I told you we we're going to be in the C tier forever because there was so much that we had to cover there. We're going to move on to the C minus tier where you've got Miles Sanders, Rashawn Johnson, Tyler Algier, AJ Dillon, a group of guys whose backfields are kind of interesting in terms of being potentially shared. Um, are there any guys in here that you feel like will really step out and have a highly productive game in here? Um, Pat, I'll start off with you. Oh, man. Um like AJ Dillon conceivably could because he's getting a lot of work, but this Vikings run defense has actually become pretty good. So um, I'm a little skeptical about that, uh, that he'll be able to, you know, get a lot done on the ground. And we know he's not going to give you a lot of explosive runs. So um, yeah, other than that, there's, there's no, not a lot of optimism in this tier, to be honest. We, we just don't know what the Miles Sanders workload is going to look like anymore. I mean, there's total ambiguity there, and, and maybe Chuba Hubbard has even passed him up in the Carolina backfield. Yeah, maybe the same situation with Rashawn Johnson. If he comes back, we, you know, Foreman coming off of two strong games, we don't 100% know how that's going to look. Um, Billy, anyone here stand out to you? I was going to mention Roshan Johnson. If he's able to clear concussion protocol, uh, I would like to see what his involvement is going to look like. I think that he was dominating touches when 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 he was active, um, and Foreman was was constantly inactive. But to your point, he's had a pretty productive past couple of weeks. So the guard may have shifted here, and Roshan Johnson may just continue to be the backup. But um, he could be an interesting player, someone that you might need a home run play out of in the flex, and could potentially uh, take on more workload. I know Foreman got a little banged up towards the end of that game as well, and um, we just don't know how this is going to look. But Roshan Johnson could be an interesting play. Then we've got the D plus tier with Justice Hill and Devin Singletary, very small tier. And the D tier, we've got Jaleel McLaughlin, Tajay Spears, Ezekiel Elliott, Royce Freeman, Latavius Murray, and Pierre Strong. We've talked about a couple of these guys here, but the one that we want to pull out here and have a conversation around is Ezekiel Elliott. This one is one who's in, he's a very frustrating back for fantasy managers because he's taken away from the Ramondre Stevenson fantasy managers that need those goal line touches. And then he's not getting enough to really make you feel comfortable to plug him into a starting lineup. But let's talk it out here and see who is feeling more comfortable this week with Ezekiel Elliott. ECR has him at RB43. Pat has him at RB39. Billy has him at RB34. You're both feeling more comfortable. You're both feeling like you're hopping back on the Ezekiel Elliott train. We talked about Kareem Hunt and Daryl Henderson and joked that we were going back to 2019, but are we seeing the resurgence here of Ezekiel Elliott? Uh, Billy, I'll start off with you. 
resurgence is a strong word, but involvement, <laughs> I'd say we could we can we can talk about. He has he's been more involved than maybe fantasy managers want to admit, and of course, uh, more than Ramondre Stevenson owners want to see. Um, but he has finished as a top thirty-four running back for the past three weeks: week five RB thirty-four, week six RB eighteen, and last week RB twenty-four in half-point PPR. Uh, we are consistently seeing him kind of in that. 37 to 50% rushing attempt range last week. He actually saw more rushing attempts. Uh, I should say rushing a percentage than, than Ramondre Stevenson from 50 to 41%. Uh, we are seeing him, you know, become more active in the passing game as well. Last week, not so much, but we have seen him eclipse the um, double digit target percentage on multiple occasions this week. So this week they get Miami. Miami's given up the 15th most fantasy points, the running back position. Uh, we do expect them to probably trail in this game, and uh, we probably see a little bit more usage in the passing game from both backs. But that being said, we can count on Zeke Elliott seeing some of the goal line carries if they do get into the goal line. Um, always falls forward. One of his benefits of, of why he's been so um, dependable inside the red zone. And so I do think that inside the top 36 is a pretty good bet for Zeke Elliott this week. Pat, how about you? Boy, this really is the nostalgia episode of the ranking show with uh, talk about Kareem Hunt, Daryl Henderson, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, yeah, so like, not that I'm excited about putting Zeke into my starting lineup this week, but if you are desperate, if you're getting hit with running back injuries, as a lot of people are, um, he's averaging 9.6 carries a game over the Patriots' last five games, and he's found the end zone in back-to-back contests. So maybe there is some low-level appeal here um, if you're really up against it at the position. Um, But this is a split backfield, and Ramondre is still 1A here. And uh, while Zeke has gotten at least one target in every game this season, he is averaging 3.5 yards per target, which is just not a good number at all. So, um, yeah, there's some appeal here, but very low-level appeal, I would say. We, you know, sometimes we got to dive deep into these types of running backs. We've got deep leagues, we've got injuries, people are reeling. So it helps to pull out some of these names sometimes, you know, who you could potentially turn to. And maybe Zeke is one of those guys if you're in a deeper league. All right. The D minus tier has Jeff Wilson It's and Craig Reynolds. And then the F tier has Elijah Mitchell and Jamal Williams. Again, these are guys where they're backups. They're, you know, Potential dark throws if you have to, but we're getting into those lower tier options. We're going to move on to another game. But before I dive into that, fall is officially here. And that means it is my favorite time of year, the time for tailgating. And the only thing better than tailgating is tailgating with Miller Lite. Miller Lite is the 96 calorie beer that tastes like beer and is perfectly brewed for everything fall has to offer. Miller Lite is the perfect light beer for all beer lovers. As soon as you take your first sip, That day, the food, the conversation, the tailgate, everything just gets instantly better. Whether you're tailgating at the game like me or watching the game at home, live those autumn moments with Miller Lite and let the great taste of Miller Lite hit your taste buds so hard you feel it in your heart with a Miller Lite in hand. Autumn doesn't just taste great, it tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash FantasyPros. That's MillerLite.com slash FantasyPros. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. All right. We're going to close things out here with a who would you rather game. And this first one, 
It is very interesting. This is one that people debate constantly. I know it. I've seen it a thousand times. It is Rashad White or Javante Williams. Who are we going with this week? Pat, I'll start off with you. Who would you rather? I'm going to follow the volume here, Tara. Uh, Rashad White is averaging 17.5 touches a game, and granted, he is only averaging 3.2 yards per carry right now, uh, but he's going against a shaky Buffalo Bills run defense that's giving up 4.9 yards per carry to opposing running backs. Uh, White is also productive as a pass catcher, 22 catches on 23 targets. So only one target for Rashad White has fallen incomplete. Uh, and he's averaging 7.1 yards per, per target, which is really good for a running back. I like Javante, but again, that that is a three-man backfield. And while Javante is number one, the other guys are going to get snapped too. So I'll take Rashad White here. Billy, how about you? Who do you prefer? Yep. Uh, this is a pretty easy selection for me. I agree with Pat. It's Rashad White. I uh, seen roughly 80% snaps uh, consistently on a week to week basis, dominating the rushing attempts, dominating the targets of the backfield. There's just no one really that's competing with any touches for him. Uh, Got to follow the volume here. And I, even if it hasn't been e- efficient, um, he's still getting it. And uh, with volume, we know that volume is king in fantasy football, and we're going to want to follow that. So uh, bound to get a touchdown at some point. Uh, and I do think that Buffalo is uh, beatable on the ground. They've given up the eighth most fantasy points to the running back position, um, and they have actually given up the seventh most targets to the running back position. And as Pat said, uh, he does this well inside of the passing game. Volume is king. Couldn't have said it better myself. And then matchups are critical. Devontae just doesn't have a good one. The Chiefs defense has been very good this season. The next, who would you rather? We need to go with Latavius Murray versus the Bucks or Devin Singletary versus the Panthers. This one is interesting here because there's a lot of people that had myself. I had to plug in in a league Latavius Murray because of all bye week issues. Obviously did not pay out, but I had to do it. No other option. But this week, who would you rather? Latavius Murray or Devin Singletary, Billy, what's your preference here? I think I'm going to go Devin Singletary, though. It feels dirty, but I think I'm going to go, I'm going to lean into it. Uh, prior to the bye, we saw a change in the guard with Devin Singletary and Damon Pierce, where we, for the first time all season, we saw Devin Singletary out snap Damian Pierce. He also saw 40% of the rushing attempts and targets saw 8%. So, um, I'm going to kind of lean into that usage a bit. I don't expect it to continue week in, week out, but if we can even see just a, you know, 40% to 50% snap range and, and kind of be that one uh, B to the one a, I think that Devin Singletary could become pretty flex worthy uh, on a week to week basis with that usage. Pat, which one are you going with? Yeah. I mean, like I'm going Singletary too. And I don't know if the Singletary usage uptick sticks. I mean, it, it's possible that maybe after the Texans watched Damian Pierce sort of burn out last year as a rookie, like really effective out of the gate, slowed down, hit the rookie wall. Uh, maybe they're just trying to to manage his workload a little bit and make sure that doesn't happen again. But pristine matchup for Devin Singletary this week against the Panthers. The Panthers rank dead last in DVOA against the run and by a wide margin. Um, they've given up the second most fantasy points per game to opposing running backs, just a tick behind the Denver Broncos, uh, who, you know, obviously had that huge game where they just let every Miami running back uh, run all over them. I think, I think Larry Zonka came back to have a hundred yards in that game <laughs> against the Broncos. Um, and the Panthers are giving up 5.3 yards per carry 
to opposing running backs. So um, Singletary and Latavius Murray basically have the same sort of roles. Like they're both active number two running backs who get decent usage. But give me the one who has the far better matchup. Wide receivers. Now we'll start off here with our top Thirty. It is a star-studded group here. Our rankings can be found, and the tiers as well, at fantasypros.com slash rankings. You can see the tiers as well if you need that nice visual on the video podcast at youtube.com slash fantasypros. Now, these top 30 here, Billy, I'm going to start off with you. Is there anyone that really stands out here for you? You know, Jordan Addison, I think, is coming in a little low inside the rankings. Um, we've seen his utilization, of course, increase with the injury to Justin Jefferson. Last week finished as the wide receiver number one. I get Green Bay a little bit tough of a matchup, but I do think that uh, lack of weapons here is going to kind of bolster his his usage moving forward. Um, in my opinion, should be a back-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two on a week-to-week basis moving forward. So a little surprise to see him down here at RB20 or wide receiver 23. I'm not going to lie. I've been you know, trying to figure it out, like, which side am I on here in terms of is he going to get locked down? Is, D- is Green Bay's defense going to say we have to stop Jordan Addison? Or are we going to see him have a fine game? It could go either way. Uh, Pat, what stands out here in the top 30 for you? Boy, I think if you asked any fantasy manager who's been the most pleasant surprise of the wide receiver position so far, they'd probably say Puka Nakua, first of all. But I think you could make a pretty good case that it's Adam Thielen. And here we've got Adam Thielen ranked as a wide receiver one, checking in at wide receiver 12 in a week when there are no teams on bye. And uh, he absolutely deserves to be there. I've actually got him wide receiver 10 this week. He ranks seventh in the league with 49 receptions and four of the six players with more receptions than Thielen have not had buys yet. Thielen's had his buy. So he is averaging 8.2 catches per game. Uh, This guy's 33 years old, and a lot of people thought he was pretty much done after his efficiency numbers really started to tail off towards the end of his tenure in Minnesota. Um, Man, what a second act for Adam Thielen and his career. The late round gem, I think, of the 2023 fantasy season, maybe even more so than Puka Nakua. I agree 100%. It's so wonderful to see this for him. Hopefully we don't see any changes. They're changing play callers, so hopefully that doesn't affect Adam Thielen at all, but I'm not going to account for that because it's Adam Thielen and he's been fantastic and Bryce Young absolutely loves him. Again, for in-depth analysis, make sure that you go to fantasybros.com slash rankings and for updated rankings, use the My Playbook app. Now we're going to dive in here to the B minus tier. If you watch the running backs ranking show, it's, it's really funny because the difference between the B minus tier for running backs versus the B minus tier for wide receivers. I mean, it's, it's crazy, right? So we're talking Tyler Lockett here, Drake London, T Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr., Joshua Palmer. I mean, these are all guys that so many of us absolutely love and want to perform at a higher level. Guys that could sneak into that top 30 fairly easily if something kind of swings their way. We're going to stop here immediately and talk about Joshua Palmer. Uh, him, we, you know, we're diving into the waiver wire, grabbing him earlier when Mike Williams went down, there was, you know, whether it's going to be him or Quentin Johnson, it is so clearly, so clearly Joshua Palmer, who has stepped up and is the wide receiver too, getting the targets, being productive. Well, let's talk it out here. We've got him ranked wide receiver 36 in ECR. Pat, you are wide receiver 37. Billy, you are on my train here with Joshua Palmer at wide receiver 23. I love to see it because I love 
love Joshua Palmer. Um, we'll start off with you, Billy. Um, talk very positively about Joshua Palmer this week. God, the disrespect for Josh Palmer Thank on these you. rankings, guys. Thank you. It's it's just it's it's just a little asinine, honestly. Like he has finished as wide receiver thirty-seven or better in since week three. So he was wide receiver twenty-eight and a half PPR week three, thirty-five week four. Uh, by of course week five, 37 week six last week finally hits the wide receiver 11 mark. Just want to point out too, in both those last games, the game versus Dallas in week six and the game versus the Raiders in week four, he probably had a combined total of about 130, 140 yards called back on holding penalties and or missed on a touchdown. So both of those games, he could have easily finished inside the top uh, 20 at the position had those penalties not, of course, happened. They did. So here we are. We're talking about him now as a wide receiver three, but I think he's pretty comfortably a a, a wide receiver two on a week-to-week basis. Uh, it's one of the past heaviest offenses. They, of course, get the Bears, who um, aren't necessarily bad against the pass. They are, though, bad against the slot receiver. Um, and I know he doesn't run all of his routes in the slot, but he does run about 30% rate out of the slot, so we should see him there a bit. Um, I, I do think, though, that the volume will, will kind of prop him up in terms of fantasy. Um, we know that Keenan Allen has been a target of the defense. They've been the one trying to shut him down. That opens up a lot of the field for Josh Palmer. Last week, he saw 25% of the target share, 21% the week before, 35% in week number four. I like his chances of finishing inside the top 24th position on a week-to-week basis, especially when Justin Herbert's throwing the ball. So love Josh Palmer. Thank everyone else. Guys, get it together here on the rankings. I love it. You spoke just everything. It was like you were preaching to the <laughs> choir. That is me. I'm in with it all together. We've got the better matchup here. I'm looking for a nice bounce back for the Chargers as a whole here. For Justin Herbert, for Keenan Allen, for Austin Eckler to bounce forward. Just like give us a little something here. Um, after that tough matchup with Kansas City, you mentioned the Chicago defense has been performing better than expected, but still it's one that's vulnerable. You can take advantage. Pat, you were on with ECR here. You've got him at wide receiver 37. You're not buying into Josh Palmer as much as as much as Billy and I are in love with Josh Palmer. And Billy's coming at me for it, Tara. I mean, geez, uh, just like, you know, asinine. Oh boy. It's like, all right, Billy, let's see if let's see if I'm gonna buy you around at uh the fantasy football expo next year when I see you. No, just kidding. Um <laughs> I did not think Palmer was a very good receiver coming into this season. And and once Mike Williams went down, I assumed that Quentin Johnston was eventually going to go sailing past him in the target pecking order. That has not happened at all. Johnston has been very disappointing and, and Palmer has been undeniably good. Um, averaging 10.1 yards per target right now, Josh Palmer is. And it, like, I don't know if that's sustainable, but it speaks to how well Palmer has been playing ever since the Mike Williams injury. And, and the matchup against the Bears, certainly a good one. I guess my main reservations here are that, number one, we know what a target hog Keenan Allen is. And, like, that's that's not going to change. We haven't seen Palmer get more than eight targets in a game this season. So there is kind of a target ceiling here for him. And uh, number two, and a lesser concern, but... Since the Mike Williams injury, Justin Herbert has only thrown four touchdown passes in three games. So that might just be the vagaries of small sample sizes. But, um, you know, it's something to keep in mind that the, the touchdown output has not been as prolific for Justin Herbert since losing Mike Williams. But, uh, like, I can't argue with anyone who wants to throw Josh Palmer into their lineup this week. Uh, I just I can't quite squeeze him into wide receiver two range like Billy has has him. 
I understand it. I mean, Justin Herbert has been a little underwhelming recently. Hopefully we get this nice bounce back here. All right, we're going to move on to our next tier, which is the C plus tier. We're going to pull out a couple of guys here. Another tier. I like these these wide receiver tiers. They make me happy. Marquise Brown, Rasheed Rice, Deontay Johnson, Josh Downs, Gabe Davis. This is a tier. This is this is clearly my happy tier because I like quite a few people in here. And one person that I want to see how much you guys like or dislike, we'll see, is Rasheed Rice, who has asserted himself as the wide receiver one for Kansas City. Now, what does the wide receiver one give you? That's something we can definitely debate here. But ECR has him at wide receiver 37. Pat, you've got him at wide receiver 46. And Billy, you've got him at wide receiver 35. Pat, I will start off with you. I want to know the skepticism around Rasheed Rice. Is it, um, what is it about him? Is it just the, the limited upside that even being the wide receiver one of Kansas City, that it truly really caps you there because of Travis Kelsey being the ultimate target hog there? Yeah, that's it, Terry. You asked the question, what is the wide receiver one worth in Kansas City? And the answer, maybe not that much, maybe not as much as it should, considering you're playing with the best pure passer in football with Patrick Mahomes. Um, And that's kind of the thing that Rice has just been not getting enough snaps or targets for me to confidently rank him uh, inside like wide receiver three territory. 59% snap share last week, season high, very encouraging. Um, Like going into last week, I think his season long target share had been or snap share had been 38%, way too few snaps for a guy who's clearly been the best wide receiver on this team. Um, But it still means there are way too many plays where Rasheed Rice is not on the field for Kansas City. And only once this season has Rasheed Rice drawn more than five targets in a game. So, um, Three touchdowns on 34 targets. Like, I I don't want to bet on a touchdown rate that high. It's just the usage is still not quite where you'd like it to be to feel really confident sticking Rasheed Rice in your starting lineup. I can't disagree with it at all. All all I'll say is that we did at least see a little uptick there with his snap count last week. Maybe we see him, you know, Andy Reid finally say, hey, this guy, clearly, I know he's a rookie, but we want to give him a little bit more volume. So hopefully the possibility is there. Interesting matchup against Denver. Um, The Denver defense has been kind of difficult to figure out here in terms of the product, the productivity that they've been giving up, up and down and struggles and whatnot. Um, Billy, you're a little bit higher than ECR here with Rasheed Rice. You've got him at wide receiver 35. Yeah, I, I just like the the positive trajectory in his usage. I know it hasn't been um, something that we can consistently say is there, um, but the trajectory has consistently pointed up. So his usage over just the past three weeks, weeks five route percentage, he saw a 23%, week six, 50%, last week, 65%. We've seen the same in targets, 13, 11, 15. Um, the interesting piece is actually out of the wide receiver core, um, he has actually seen the most third down looks from a percentage standpoint in compare, only second to Travis Kelsey. So when the chains matter to move, they look Kelsey's way and they look Rice's way. 
Um, I, I do think that we are going to continue to see his usage increase. He, I mean, you watch tape. He looks like the best wide receiver on the team by far. I mean, it's not even close in comparison. Um, I just want to see him get more involved to Pat's point. The usage has been a bit alarming. Um, and it's definitely something it's hard to project uh, in order to just say, hey, we're going to slot him in for 17% targets. We're going to put him in for, you know, 60% snaps. We can't do that yet. Um, I think we can lean that way right now as, as the usage continues to increase crease but um i think the chiefs are smart enough i think andy reed is smart enough to know that he's the best wide receiver on the team um and um they're going to get him more involved so i lean this way i think they're going to continue to do so uh, at least my projections hope so or else i'm going to take an l at this one but i do think that he has the talent to succeed makes complete sense all right we're also going to talk about josh downs here and um spoiler alert pat this is another one where i'm leaning towards billy i'm not gonna lie but ecr has got him at wide receiver 39 pat you were not feeling josh downs as much this week at wide receiver 45 billy you are really feeling josh downs this week at wide receiver 30 josh downs has been coming on strong not to knock michael Pittman jr at all because absolutely love him but you can't deny that connection that is there between Gardner Minshew and Josh Downs. And it's something that we've seen throughout the entire season when Gardner Minshew was stepping in for Anthony Richardson, when he was getting those mid-game injuries coming in and we'd see targets towards Josh Downs. And now he's got that connection and it's there. It's there for the rest of the season. Pat, we'll start off with you. Is it skepticism around maybe his volume because we've seen sometimes before where the targets are there but the yardage really isn't there the touchdown came through last week and the yardage was fine but maybe that was a bit of an anomaly maybe he goes back down a little bit this week what is what are you thinking around josh downs man um I feel like such a grumpy old man. You and uh, Tara and Billy are embracing these talented young wide receiver, and I'm just uh, like throwing cold water on all of this. But um, I think I actually am going to concede this battle and move up Josh Downs in my rankings. Um, The more I look at this, the more I see it uh, your way. With um, Downs seems to have really nice chemistry with – Gardner Minshew and the matchup suggests that Downs could have a lot of targets this week um, against the Saints. The Saints outside cornerbacks, Marshawn Lattimore and Paulson Adebo, very good. The Saints slot corner, Alante Taylor, who's probably going to be covering Downs on most of his routes, uh, giving up 0.39 fantasy points per route run into his coverage. That's a really high number. And PFF has Alante Taylor graded 100th out of the 115 quarterbacks they've graded so far. So, um, yeah, it does seem like this could be a big Josh Downs day. I need to change this ranking and move him closer. Um, It's probably somewhere between where Billy is a wide receiver 30 and consensus a wide receiver 39. That's the type of analysis that we need there. Just the matchup right there and talking about the cornerbacks and where Josh Downs slots in will help get you that edge, guys, because you couldn't look at that and say New Orleans, tough defense, they're not going to be able to throw, but there might be one particular player who has the ideal matchup there who will see those targets funneled to him, and maybe it's Josh Downs because of exactly what Pat said. That's the kind of analysis there that can help you win your fantasy week. Now, Billy, you've already got him at wide receiver 30. We don't got to talk you into it. Talk to us about Josh Downs and and where you see him heading this week. 
you know, really happy that Pat stopped yelling at the kids on his lawn, invite him over to the party to have a little Josh Downs party. Um, but he, he, he was on point here. New Orleans is, is really tough out wide. They've actually only given up 73.9 fantasy points out wide for the season. 137.4 fantasy points to the slot. So there is a lot of opportunity here for Downs to succeed this week. Downs has actually seen the third most slot snaps in the league at a 76.8% rate. Um, he's going to be running out of the slot. He does well. We've seen him have the chemistry, as you mentioned, uh, with Minshew. Um, not to mention, they're throwing the ball more with Minshew and running the ball less from a quarterback perspective, of course. And so we're going to continue to see more opportunities in the passing game. So like Downs, I like the talent. I like his usage. Consistently seen six or more targets in the last three weeks. We have seen some double-digit targets in week three as well. Um, so I do think that uh, usage is there. The position for him facing in the slot is there. Uh, I'm liking the week. It's setting up for a successful week for him. Okay, football season is finally here, and there's one thing every fan should know. You can get anything you need for game day delivered with Uber Eats. Well, almost, almost anything, because no, you can't get a new running back for your team delivered with Uber Eats, but flapjacks, baby back ribs, and cold six-packs, yeah, you can definitely get those. Great pass protection, that's a no. Great pizza selection from your favorite places, that's a yes. Championship defense, nope. Deodorant, yep. Refs that don't stink, no. Air fresheners, yes. Game-clinching turnovers, no. But pastry turnovers, you know, the kind with delicious apple filling, oh yeah, because that's groceries, and Uber Eats deliver those too, along with food from your favorite restaurants and other essentials. And the best part, you can get it all without missing a second of the action on your TV. So this football season, stay planted on your couch and get anything, well, almost, almost anything you need for game day by ordering on the Uber Eats app. Order now, Uber Eats, official on-demand partner of the NFL, alcohol in select markets, product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All right, we're going to move on to the C tier here. This is a big tier with a lot of guys in here. We've got Michael Thomas, Tank Dell, um, hopefully coming back from the concussion. We've got DeAndre Hopkins, Romeo Dobbs. Potentially maybe seeing a little uptick in volume here, depending on how Christian Watson is feeling. Kendrick Bourne as well. Jerry Judy, Curtis Samuel, Rashid Shaheed, KJ Osborne, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Coming off of the 
uptick in production with the injury to DK Metcalf. We're going to pull out one player in particular here that we want to talk about. It is none other than DeAndre Hopkins. We were joking around about the young receivers and us getting on board with them. And Pat, Pat needed to jump on the train a little bit more. But we're going to go back and we're going to talk about the older guys here. We're going to talk about DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, we've got him at wide receiver 43. For ECR, Pat, you've got him at wide receiver 40. Billy, you've got him at wide receiver 34. So both of you, feeling more positively about DeAndre Hopkins here. Let's talk it out. Um, Pat, we'll start off with you. DeAndre Hopkins this week. Can we expect a little bit more out of him than we've typically been seeing? We've got an interesting situation here going on at quarterback, though. Yeah, you said it, Tara. Um, Hopkins is... Sailing into some pretty fierce headwinds this week, I, I think, would be a good way to describe it. Uh, the Titans are going to use some sort of quarterback combo of Will Levis, a rookie, and Malik Willis, a second-year man. Two very inexperienced and unrefined passers. Um, not only that, but the Falcons have a very good pair of outside cornerbacks in A.J. Terrell and Jeffrey Okuda. So... What we do know, though, about DeAndre Hopkins uh, is that he is probably going to have a very significant target share for the Titans, even if Traylon Burks is back from injury this week. I I think it's probably a lock that DeAndre Hopkins gets eight plus touches, uh, eight plus targets. And we do know that DeAndre Hopkins is pretty good at football. So um, I I understand why he is being ranked as a uh, wide receiver four. And that's where I have him too, but I'm I'm still a little above consensus on him just because he's good, just because we know he's going to be involved in the passing game. Billy, how about you? You're higher than ECR, a little bit higher than Pat as well. You're feeling more positively about this quarterback situation, the quarterback carousel that we're getting here. I, I don't I don't think I feel great about it. I, I think it's more along the lines of when we see an inexperienced quarterback, they're just going to hyper-focus one target. I do think that that target's going to be DeAndre Hopkins. Um, that being said, if we do get the official word that Traylon Burks is back, it's going to eat into this target share a bit, which will get him closer to that wide receiver 40 mark than, than where I have him. I have Burks kind of slotted at 10% right now just as a placeholder, but um, he probably sees closer to 15 or 16% coming off of injury. Um, not going to see his typical you know closer to 20 percent, but that will definitely eat into deandre hopkins uh punching in the numbers as pat was talking because i didn't feel good about the ranking it took him to actually wide receiver 45 which i think might be a little low so it's definitely something i'm going to have to look at a little bit more in detail as we get more news uh with burks and we see who's actually starting here at quarterback so i don't feel confident about my ranking right now uh and where he sits i i would say this is probably one of the most fragile um players that I have right now kind of temporarily placed um, and he's bound to move. Yeah, this is the tough one here. The Titans giving us preseason football where we'll be able to evaluate both of the quarterbacks heading into next year, apparently, as they're potentially embracing the tank here. Moving on to the C minus here, we've got Michael Gallup, Josh Reynolds, Wandale Robinson, Brandon Cooks, Elijah Moore, Jaden Reed, just ahead of Christian Watson. This is an interesting tier here, guys. Is there anyone that you that you could maybe pull from here to have a little bit more upside versus the rest of the field? Uh, Pat, I'll start with you. I'm sort of interested in Jaden Reed this week if Christian Watson doesn't play. We don't know his status yet, um, but he did seem to sustain some sort of knee injury um, against the Broncos last week. So if he doesn't play, you've got Jaden Reed elevated in the uh, target pecking order. Also, Luke Musgrave had some sort of injury last week. So um, 
possibly a heightened target outlook for Jaden Reed against a Minnesota pass defense that's given up a lot to wide receivers this year. Anything that stands out to you, Billy? Yeah, I'm just going to piggyback off Pat here. Jaden Reed probably gets closer to 20 to 23% of the target share if if both those guys are out. So I think that he's the most interesting and probably the most likely to climb the rankings. I completely agree with you guys. Then we've got the D-plus tier here with Odell Beckham Jr., DJ Tark, Tutu Atwell, and Jahan Dodson. And the D-tier as well with Michael Wilson, Tyler Boyd, Darius Slayton, and Alan Lazard. Between the D-plus tier and the D-tier there, is there um, any guys that you feel um, you could maybe pull out or maybe the opposite? Or is there anyone in here that you feel maybe doesn't belong and is a little bit more risky than the rest of them? Go ahead, Billy. Passed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's tough to talk about the D tier. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take a gamble on Tutu. Uh, the matchup's going to be tough in Dallas. He's probably going to be overlooked as they look to stop Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Um, we've seen him score, uh, you know, three times this season. Um, he's had a couple big catches. So I'm going to lean on maybe a big catch and maybe a, a score and kind of, you know, pray for Pray for the fantasy gods to be on my side. Um, but I don't feel comfortable about any of these guys, honestly. Pat, how about you? I agree with Billy. If you're going to pick one person from this group, pick the person who's tied to a really good pure passer and uh, the guy who's really fast. That also kind of helps, too. I don't love the matchup, but, um, you know, if you're in a pinch, Tutu might be able to um, get you something. We've just it's just that we've seen the target share for Tutu really go down since the return of Cooper Cup, which is the problem. Um, Michael Wilson, I, I I'm really intrigued by him. I want to get in on him, but I think I'm going to wait till Kyler Murray is back for the Cardinals before I do that, just because um, we've really seen the limitations of of Josh Dobbs as a passer lately. Like they've been running him pretty aggressively, but as far as passing, like they're just uh, I'm not that eager to start any wide receiver not named Marquise Brown uh, with Josh Dobbs at quarterback. I agree. Um, I do like that you pulled out Michael Wilson, though, because that is one to keep your eye on here. We've got Kyler Murray coming back in a couple of weeks, which some people are skeptical, but I find it exciting for that Arizona offense that we could see a boost in productivity for several of those guys, including Michael Wilson. Before we move on to our next discussion here, if you want a chance to win a glorious fantasy football championship belt for your league courtesy of our good friends at trophy smack the number one destination for epic fantasy football trophies you need to subscribe to the fantasy pros youtube channel right now drop a comment on this video and that's it we'll be announcing the winner right here on the channel so make sure you turn on those notifications so you can claim your prize all right i definitely want that i anticipate winning some champion don't mean to be you know bullish on myself but i anticipate winning some championships this year and i would love to have one of those in my league all right we're gonna do a who would you rather segment here and this is a good one a good one of controversial guys for this first question here it is drake london versus tennessee or calvin ridley versus pittsburgh Pat, what, what's your preference here? Who would you rather? Oh, I'm the Drake London guy. Um, a big advocate. I mean, since week two, he's been wide receiver 21 in PPR points per game. Um, he's also probably going to draw Titans cornerback Christian Fulton on a majority of his routes. And uh, that's a pretty good matchup for him. Not a bad matchup for Ridley either against the Steelers, who've been giving up um, quite a few fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. But... 
man, it's just so frustrating that Ridley has had 40 yards or fewer in five of seven games. And and strangely, I don't understand this split, uh, but weirdly, Ridley has been less productive with Zay Jones out of the lineup uh, and more productive with Zay Jones in the lineup. So I don't know, maybe if Zay Jones comes back, I don't know what the odds of that are this week. Maybe that would give Ridley a lift, but I, I'm definitely taking London over Calvin Ridley this week. Mm, that is a very interesting point right there. Uh, Billy, which side are you on? Going with London as well. Got to follow the usage. 93% routes last week, 32% target share. Um, we've seen you know 24% or better since week five, uh, actually week four. Um, and so consistently seeing the bulk of the targets here in this offense, Ridley's use is just inconsistent. And um, he has not been, um, you know, the receiver that people drafted. Uh, and I am going to, you know, lean Drake London's side here. I'm with you guys. Um, I am on the Drake London side. And for what it's worth, that means that it's a lock because for every bit that Pat is the Drake London truther, I am the Arthur Smith hater. So it will take everything in my gut to say an Atlanta Falcon. So if I'm saying it, it must be true. Um, there's my analysis on that one. All right. Moving on to our next, who would you rather Marquise Brown versus Baltimore or T Higgins versus San Francisco. Marquise Brown still without Kyler Murray. We just talked about him in a difficult matchup against Baltimore, but T Higgins, uh, can we, can we trust him really? Um, hoping for some kind of bounce back performance from him, hopefully off of this bye week um, against San Francisco. So uh, I will start off with you, Billy Marquise Brown or T Higgins. I'm going to go with Marquise Brown. I know last week we didn't see the usage that we had seen all season, but he has consistently seen 30% or more target share. Uh, he's been uh, kind of a surprise uh, based upon what we thought this offense was going to look like and what he's been uh, putting out from a fantasy perspective. Um, and T. Higgins, the usage is inconsistent, uh, and and they just can't trust it on a week-to-week basis. So follow the volume here. I'm going to go with uh, Marquise Brown. Pat, how about you? I'm with Billy here. Give me Hollywood Brown. Um, he had five targets in the Cardinals first game. And since then, he has seen at least seven targets in every game. And he's had double digit targets in four of those six games. So uh, I know he has a tough matchup against the Ravens. But hey, it is a revenge game for Marquise Brown. And uh, at, at this point, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this because T. Higgins is a guy whose talent I believe strongly in. Uh, but I, I kind of need a show me game from him before I'm ready to put him back in my my starting lineup, assuming that, you know, I'm not really thin at wide receiver and forced to play him. But um, if I have other decent options there, like I want to see T. Higgins have a strong game before I reinsert him into my lineup. I don't disagree with you on that one. It is a weird situation where with T Higgins, we technically do have to have a prove it game because sometimes he comes back and he's active and that he's limited. So we don't truly know the level of production that he'll have in a game coming off of even a bye week with, with the injury before. Um, so I'm with you guys. It's two for two. It's Marquise Brown and the very reliable floor that he's had overall this season. All right, we're going to move on to our next kind of uh, situation here with the flex appeal. I like this segment here, flex appeal. Pat and Billy, I am going to give you three players that fall into the flex zone, and you're going to tell me how you would order these three players. 
Now I'm going to start off with you, Billy. And the first one is Miles Sanders versus Kendrick Bourne versus Rashid Shaheed. Very interesting group here. How would you order these players? Uh, if Sanders is fully healthy and playing, probably stay second here for me. Bourne has seen quite a bit of uh, increased usage. So I'm going to go Bourne. Sanders and Rashid Shahid, although this could change if Sanders is inactive again and could be easily last on the list. But I think Bourne pretty clearly number one for me. Pat, what about you? I'm actually going to go Rashid Shahid, Kendrick Bourne, Miles Sanders here. And um, things didn't work out for Shahid last week. Four catches for 28 yards, but he did have eight targets. Um, and he's had six or more targets in three of his last four games has a really nice matchup this week against the Colts. Um, I like him just a smidge more than Bourne, and I kind of want to avoid using Sanders right now because it appears that Chuba Hubbard has made it at least a 50-50 backfield, if not pulled ahead of Miles Sanders. So I just, I don't know what kind of usage we're going to get from Miles Sanders. And if he's getting 10 or fewer touches in a very limited Carolina Panthers offense, like that, that has no appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Miles Sanders is the last one for me on this one. Kendrick Bourne versus Rashid Shahid kind of depends on what you need in your lineup for me. I'd like to go Kendrick Bourne over Rashid Shahid, but if you need the potential high big boom game, those come with Rashid Shahid on a very frequent basis. So I'm not opposed to going with him over Kendrick Bourne. So I flip flop on the first two guys, but Sanders is the one that's at the end for me. Moving on to the next one here, we've got Zach Moss, who saw equal work there sharing the backfield with Jonathan Taylor. We may see that flip a little bit this week, but again, the Colts have been extremely run heavy. So he's, you know, a flex appeal kind of guy here still. So we've got Zach Moss versus Jackson Smith and Jigba stepped up last week and Dalton Schultz coming off the bye week. So Billy, I'll start off with you. Um, Zach Moss versus Jackson Smith and Jigba versus Dalton Schultz. How are you ordering these? I'm going to go Zach Moss. Um, Schultz, if DK is active, and then JSN, those two would be swapped if DK is not active. Uh, And then Moss, I mean, Moss has just been a pleasant surprise, honestly. I don't own much anywhere, but 18 carries last week, even with uh, JT, you know, fully inserted. Uh, Yards per carry weren't great last week, but the usage is there, and we're going to want to follow that usage. And so I have to lean into that volume uh, and take him number one here. Pat, how are you ordering these players? Yeah, like Billy, I guess I have to put in some sort of DK Metcalf status caveat here. If he doesn't play, it would be JSN number one for me, then Moss and Dalton Schultz. But if DK Metcalf is active, I've actually got Zach Moss atop this list ahead of JSN and uh, then, you know, the tight end third, just because the upside, I think, is a little more limited with a, a tight end. Um Yes, Jonathan Taylor is eventually going to pull clearly ahead of Zach Moss. But as you said, Tara, um, the Colts are very committed to their running game. And, um, you know, Taylor working his way back into playing shape, but I don't know if he's quite there yet. So I think Moss is going to continue to be involved. And um, the Colts are also playing at a crazy fast pace this year, which is it's good for components of that Colts offense they're they're just squeezing in more plays per game than most other teams so um Moss is still getting a little work a lot of work I should say and he offers a safer floor I believe than either JSN or Dalton Schultz I like it Colts players in that offense giving us a lot of bang for our buck 
By the way, guys, if you have any questions about, you know, flex options and who should you start, you should look at the who should I start tool in my playbook. For tough decisions and a full breakdown of everything that you need to know, use the My Playbook app. All right, that wraps things up for our wide receiver show. If you have any questions about anything, lineups, trades, we are live each and every single Thursday on YouTube at 3 p.m. EST, 12 p.m. PST, taking your questions. And if you want to see more advice from Pat, and I know you do, check out his rankings. Just go to fantasypros.com slash fits. And make sure that you check out Billy's work on Player Profiler as well. It is excellent. You cannot miss out on it. You can find Billy at FF Museo. You can find Pat at Fitz underscore FF. And you can find me at It's Tara Time. For Pat Fitzmorris, for Billy Museo, I'm Tara Roberts. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros. And subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.